It all started with an anonymous call. The call was made to the Genesee County Health Department. The Genesee County Health Department was alarmed because children were getting skin rashes and family pets were losing their hair. The lawns and gardens were not thriving in the Dixieland subdivision in the south end of Flint, Michigan. The so-called, the call that was made to the Genesee County Health Department resulted in them contacting and notifying the state of Michigan and its Department of Natural Resources. So in a state of Michigan, DNR employee along with the County Health Department sanitarian decided to walk the hilly street of Milton Drive in the Dixieland subdivision. That was a place where I learned to skateboard. The hill there was so steep that it was a fabulous place to take a sled or a toboggan. What these two health department workers would discover was not something small. In fact, it was very dangerous and a very big environmental problem. It was making people sick and affecting the health of family, pets, as well as children. The state DNR worker told the local reporter from what he saw, he saw a sick cat and the cat looked ready to die actually. Residents spoke of children getting sick after swimming in their backyard. Those were the backyards that backed up to the weed and gravel filled park where someone had years ago built a baseball diamond. It was a field filled with rocks and made catching a ground ball nearly impossible as it would hit a stone and misdirect careening into another direction. It was a field with pieces of steel and iron working their way up to the surface, making sliding into second base impossible without injury. Us kids put up that uh, put up with that for our whole entire childhoods. We played baseball every day in Windy 8 Park. It was so bad that we decided to make our own field without a backstop on a grassy part of the park closer to a group of homes on the west end of Windy 8. Windy 8 was a park that was donated to the city of Flint in the 1920s by a guy named Atwood and, and another person named Windy 8. Not long after that, uh, the park, uh, which was located near the iconic Fisher Body Number no. 1 General Motors factory where the sit-down strikes occurred in 1937 that resulted in the UAW and the labor movement in America gaining the rights to collectively bargain. The mystery of the sick kids, <clears throat> nearly dead cats, and soil that killed plants resulted in the health professionals taking some soil samples and sending them for testing. The testing was taken from the area where children played in the park itself. The other from the side of a hill. That was a hill near the site of two buildings that we called the units. These were one-room schoolhouses in the 1960s. They were supposed to be temporary because the local elementary school, Freeman Elementary, was too full to take all the kids from the Dixieland neighborhood. 
So we attended school in our neighborhood at those two units. Interesting, it was a great spot to play. Built up on top of a hill and and then down the hill there was a pond and it was there where the glow-in-the-dark tadpoles were found. This was an area where once a creek had flown uh, had uh, had uh, flowed across the park and into Thread Creek and ultimately Thread Lake. We played a game called Foursquare, which was we took a ball and bounced it and then uh, you had to hit it in one of the squares and you could have uh, four people play the game. All our park equipment was down there and we had this program, it was a wonderful program called Tot Lot. And there uh, the Mott Foundation had funded uh, Tot Lot, which basically provided a full-time uh, park supervisors for us kids so that we had a college kid perhaps who had a summer job and then was responsible for organizing activities with us kids and we could just show up and uh, there'd be a, a arts and crafts or we, we love to play foursquare dodgeball and uh, it was great fun all of it at the edge of the magic pond this pond was always a concern of our parents, and our parents did not like us going down there. But as all little boys and girls do, they see and discover nature at young ages. And as I recall, even science projects were done using the water and the uh, things that we captured from this nasty pond down, down at Windy 8 Park. So the tests were taken near the school buildings. Those were fine. The samples taken in the park just down the hill from the school buildings where the kids played and where the playground equipment was, that wasn't so fine. So for 50 years, children had played in this area and the lead levels came back at four times the amount considered a potential health risk. Authorities thought this was a problem. Today, after the Flint water crisis has been exposed, we need to take a look back because it's not just a little problem, it's a real big problem. So over the years, many people in the Freeman School neighborhood complained of mystery health problems. There was an uncanny incidence of cancers, especially in young females. The neighborhood largely made up of migrant auto workers did not have the political power or the knowledge to make government push this investigation of the area over its health concerns. However, for General Motors, we can definitely assume they knew this lead-laced polluted park, complete with its own pond and swamp where glow-in-the-dark tadpoles swam, was a deadly hazard to children. It was, after all, the creation of General Motors who turned the area where the subdivision sat in a toxic into a toxic dump. The parkland, which which had been in the city's hands since at least the 1920s, uh, eventually the area around that parkland was sold off 
and the entire subdivision uh, was uh, created where houses, the two school buildings, a park and baseball diamond were eventually uh, also located was a, a large uh, two-family, excuse me, a large multiple-family apartment uh, complex uh, consisting of two buildings. It's unclear whether General Motors owned this land or just used it to dump. Uh, more research and investigation needs to take place because the public has never been informed uh, even after the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, got involved in this. The General Motors, uh, it is what is clear and, and what residents have recounted is that General Motors dumped excess of paint, lacquers, solvents, and other chemicals containing heavy metals into the subdivision since at least the 1940s. The contaminants leached into the surface water that regularly flooded the entire neighborhood. The SRAM drain and then on to the exclusive Flint Golf Club and then Thread Creek running across into Thread Lake. That was another popular Flint spot for families, children in days gone by. What's interesting about this park is that residents recount seeing General Motors workers dumping things into the uh, park area where at that time in the 40s and early 50s there was a, a, a small creek that ran through the park which was a tributary of the Thread Creek. Eventually bulldozers were brought in to push dirt across uh, the the dump the, the trash that they had put in there and that included 50 gallon buckets of of lacquers and paint with paint pigments that were uh, contained poisonous and toxic leads and anyway you had a stew that was in the making that was essentially put in that park it's it's unclear why there were bulldozers there and whose bulldozers were they Certainly the people who were doing the bulldozing knew that there were things in there that were probably not good for, for everyone. And why General Motors was using a public park as a dump site needs to be explored further. But what's interesting about this park is that there's a county drain system that goes through the park for the water, the storm drain and so forth. And, and uh, it goes through this this park with which is essentially a floodplain where where during spring and summer especially in spring during snowmelt and then summer rains uh, ran off into these flooded areas flooding was so severe that busy streets in the area were closed and and often washed out this neighborhood suffered severe flooding for many many years so severe that the road on Pengali had sunk into the earth and uh, because it was so unstable, so saturated with uh, water that uh, they had to repair the road, replace the road several times. And even to this day, you can see where it's still continuing to sink in. 
it was it was that part of the story that the government and its benefactor General Motors kept rather mum about when the news of the test was revealed to the public of course what they were worried about is that all this lead that was sitting on top of the soil would be uh, exposing people by being uh, taken into the water table and pushed about the park as it flooded repeatedly. GM decided they would race to remediate the park by quickly purchasing 26 homes in the Dixieland subdivision that surrounded Windyate Park. When my parents' home was built on Pengalley Road in 1953, the entire dump site was covered with dirt. It seemed that some of the houses were built on top of the dump site. There's no question that at least 26 houses were built completely around the park, which, which ordinarily would be a great spot to buy a house and was very attractive. However, people were not aware that their home looked at a toxic, chemical-laced, lead-infested uh, uh, dump that had been created by General Motors. The best-kept secret in Flint is the exact size and depth of General Motors' toxic wasteland. It's unclear as to how many houses are sitting on top of that toxic stew uh, and, and to this very day, I don't believe anybody really knows. No public reports have ever revealed the nature of the site, even though a good part of it was, was now public land. Eventually, it was covered, discovered by the Genesee County Drain Commissioner that there was another chemical dump site south of the Dixieland subdivision across Hemp Hill Road. The county was enhancing the SRAM drain in that area uh, to alleviate the flooding that I spoke of earlier and encountered a lot of Flint history. Then Drain Commissioner Anthony Ragnone walked into my office one day as I was a county commissioner and said that they had just dug up an entire cemetery of unmarked graves and were finding bodies. I recall at that time I had become the prosecutor and he wanted to know what he was supposed to do with these bodies that he was finding. And quite frankly, it was a problem I had never encountered. Um, did we have mass murder on the south end of Flint? Uh, well, it was pretty clear to me that it wasn't a murder. Uh, but that they had uncovered and un un further undocumented, uh, recorded cemetery. And what my research showed at the time was that the site of the dump was the old 1930s poor farm. Yep, they raised pigs there. And my mother used to often talk about we would go to the poor farm or we're going to the poor farm or we're at the poor farm. So I, I didn't understand that reference she made, but it became very clear to me in about 19, 1993 or four that uh, Tony Ragnone, the drain commissioner, had answered that riddle, what the poor farm meant. 
It was next to my neighborhood. And I couldn't get that image of where my family bought groceries all the time being the place where the poor, poor farm was primarily located there and where the old shopper's fair building was. So one can assume that the bodies uh, discovered by the county were those of people who died at the poor farm and then were buried as paupers. What the authorities never asked or understood was the extent of this entire area being used as a giant playground for teenagers who roamed the vast expanse amid the toxic ponds and swamps. One resident described the, uh, his activities as a kid in this area as taking 50-gallon uh, barrels and putting plywood across them, attaching plywood across them, and using it as a, as a, as a huge sled to go down the hills uh, created by the dumping that occurred in that area. I remember it best as young people taking mini bikes and bicycles there and playing in the dusty hills uh, uh, next to the rancid water that existed there and it gathered. And uh, little did we know at the time that, that this was a, basically a, a toxic lead. Uh, uh, it's hard to even come up with words to describe it now that I look back at it. But I knew it wasn't good. And uh, not, to, not to stay in there. As I became prosecutor, about the time the county discovered the contamination in Windy 8 Park, I was also had been on the County Board of Commissioners and learned that uh, surveyors and engineers involved in the building of the SRAM drain had discovered the toxic dump site next to those buildings uh, off of Hemp Hill Road. Of course, the drain commissioner knew that I'd grown up in that area and had a strong interest in, in fixing the flooding and kept me in touch with what was going on. The ground in the area was so unstable that the Shoppers Fair building, it was a very large department store, was settling into the unstable ground and eventually was raised as both the store and the parking lot and loading areas surrounding the store were sinking into the ground. I remember the back part of that store when you were shopping, you could, you could visibly see that it was going into the ground. The Kroger store grocery store which was next door was built on top of the chemical dump site as well. That building was raised and turned into a parking lot for General Motors. It took from 1992 when the lead lace soil was discovered until 1994 before the public was given a report of the testing results. General Motors minimized the size of the dump, claiming it was only 10 to 12 acres of land. At one point, I volunteered to take away some of my time from the courthouse to show General Motors lawyers other parts of the area where kids played in the Dixieland subdivision. Those were areas where unstable soil caused a house to sink into the ground, 
a parking lot for the apartment houses, which were built on top of one part of the dump, uh, also disappeared and crumbled into the earth. What was interesting about this area was that we would often find pieces of automobile body parts, such as fenders, hoods, trunks. These parts worked their way up through the unstable wet soil. Sometimes we made forts and camped and camps using these discarded car parts, which by then were found in areas that were wooded. Uh, and uh, eventually that's where they built the apartment houses on Pengali called the Pengali Road Apartments. Eventually, the United States Environmental Protection Agency came in with Superfund cleanup money to attempt to clean up the old park. General Motors, having, uh, having created this site uh, for at least 40 years prior to its discovery, was responsible. Eventually, the state of Michigan, uh, the, D the DNR section that deals with Superfund uh, sites, admitted that they had underestimated both the size and the extent of the environmental hazard. So GM conducted its own soil samples in the yard of homes surrounding the park. What it found was shocking. Unlike the first test done by the county, lead levels were 7,000 900 parts per million. That amount is considered a potential health risk to humans because the most that humans should be ever exposed to in terms of lead is 400 parts per million. So we have uh, quite an alarming and shocking uh, situation at hand. And later core samples taken from soil at eight feet deep the magic pond that I and my friends played at in Windyate Park revealed amounts of toxic lead that made Flint's poison water seem fresh from the top of the mountains. Those samples were 200,000 parts per million. The national standard for exposure to humans again was 400 parts per million. So, GM publicly admitted, quote unquote, partial responsibility for that toxic stew that eventually became my neighborhood. What's yet to be un uncovered and studied is the amount of lead in the kids who actually played in that park and who were exposed to that lead for all those years. That's the rest of the story that we'll seek to uncover here in, the f in future podcasts. Thank you for listening. Have a good weekend. Goodbye.